Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith. Today, we're gonna to be learning and talking about one of the, probably one of the most quoted pieces of scripture. It's John 3.16, but we're gonna be looking at it through a couple of different lenses and maybe learning some new things that might surprise you about this verse. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, my name is Marcus, if you haven't met me before, and I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel. And I just want to welcome you to our stream today. Well, we uh, just finished Easter last weekend. It was another one of those Easter's that were a little bit different. I remember looking back last year uh, when we had just started to shut down because of COVID restrictions and thinking, oh, by next Easter, it will be totally different. I'm so excited to have Easter back in person again. And yet we found that that was not necessarily the case again this year. But we had a lot of fun doing our drive-through communion. Um, and maybe you had a little bit of fun doing some different things because this year again was different. So I wanna hear from you guys in the comments right now. How was your Easter? Maybe you did something different because uh, everything is different and so you added a new tradition. Or maybe you uh, had something that you realized with the Easter story that was new to you this year. Or maybe you just simply wanna share a memory from this past weekend. Well, I wanna hear about it from you guys. I know for me, I was able to go on a hike to Valentine Mountain. Uh, I, I had been there once before when we were actually doing some filming, but I wanted to go up there again. And so on this weekend, uh, last weekend, I was able to hike up there um, on a really nice, beautiful, sunny day and just be able to like experience God's creation. I was able to look uh, at some of the great views of the lake and of the mill and the ocean uh, beyond and just have that uh, moment of just sitting in silence and, and just kind of reveling in God's creation, reveling on Easter Sunday about the resurrection that Jesus brought. And so I think for me, that actually might be a new tradition is that on Easter weekend, I might go for a little bit of an Easter hike. But what about you? I wanna hear some of your thoughts, a memory, a new tradition that you have added through Easter. Thanks so much for sharing uh, about some of your Easter memories, but I wanna just tell you about something really fun that we're doing this week. We're doing a little bit of a giveaway. So towards the end of our stream, we're gonna be doing a, a gift card giveaway, but here's the catch. You have to wait through to the very end to find out how you can maybe win that giveaway that we're doing today. So make sure you stay tuned uh, to see what that is all the way towards the end of our stream. I'm gonna pass it on to Pastor Lucas, but before we do that, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you are with us today. We thank you so much for what Easter brought last week, uh, for reminding us about your resurrection power in our lives, that we can experience uh, the power, the life, the closeness that you brought with us. And so God, this week after Easter, I pray that we wouldn't forget. I pray that that wouldn't have been just a one week thing where we celebrated that moment and, and realized and walked in a, in a new understanding of what your resurrection brought, but that Jesus, we would be reminded of that today, that you would remind us again of what that looks like for our lives and that it would continue to uh, be in the forefront of our minds as we continue forward. God, I pray as Pastor Lucas brings a word today that you would just anoint his voice and his words uh, to be yours and that our hearts would be so open and soft to hearing what you wanna to speak to us today because God, we thank you and we're so uh, glad that you still speak to us. And so Lord, may this happen both 
uh, even right now as we open our hearts to what you have to say, but also as Pastor Lucas uh, shares a message with us today. We thank you, God, and we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Lucas. Well, thank you, Marcus. And uh, for those, maybe if we're meeting for the first time today, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church. And I really hope that you really like enjoyed your Easter weekend. Just give me a thumbs up or let me know how your Easter weekend went. Uh, I know for us, it was, it was a beautiful weekend and we really enjoyed the highlight for me personally was our time of communion. In case you didn't know, we did an outdoor drive-through communion at the church on Easter Sunday. And it was just so refreshing and so good to see so many of your faces show up uh, through that drive-through communion time where we got to just kind of catch up a little bit, pray with one another, and reflect and remember uh, the work of Jesus uh, on the cross and his resurrection and all that that meant. And so that was just such a special time. So thank you so much for uh, coming out and making the time for that. And as we move into the future, we'll see how we do this, but we may see more of that happening. So stay tuned. Well, I want to ask you a question. Um, what, what in your estimation is the, the most important question to ask when trying to discern if someone's act, like what they've done for you, is loving or not? What, what, what are, what are, what's the most important question you can ask for that? It, and now it seems like a weird question to ask, but it is a little bit more complicated than what it sounds like on the surface. You know, one may experience, I don't know if you've been there, you, you may have experienced a moment where somebody does what looks on the surface to be like a loving act towards you. But then you find out with time that that gift or that act or that service or that whatever it was had a whole bunch of strings attached. Have any of you been to there? Where, where someone does something really loving on the surface, but then they use it later to kind of pull the strings and try to manipulate their way. When, when you find out it was actually more of a selfish gift than a selfless gift. And motivation matters. It really does matter. And the most important question you can ask is, why? Why? What, what's the motive behind this? Because it's the motive behind an act, not just the act that gives it meaning. It's the motive behind an act, not just the act that gives it meaning, that defines it. So you might ask, why are we exploring this distinction today? Well, if you were with us two weeks ago, just the week before our Easter uh, weekend, uh, you'll remember that we've been talking about this moment where Jesus is having a dialogue with this man named Nicodemus. And, and he's talking a little bit about the mechanics of salvation. He's talking about kind of the how and, and, and the when and the where. And, and he talks about being reborn and rebirth. He's talking about, you know, the wind of the spirit and the mystery of God doing this work in each individual's life. But now we see John, he kind of wants to give us a little more context. He wants to answer kind of the, the biggest question to this whole idea of Jesus and the cross and being born again and the how. And he, and he wants to answer the biggest question, which really is the motive. Why? Why did Jesus do what he did? Why did God do what he did? 
And so we just hope and I invite you to just buckle in today. And we want to explore what was the motivation of God's heart when it came to Jesus and the mission that Jesus carried out on this earth. Remember, it's, it's not just the act, but it's rather the motivation behind the act that defines it. And so we need to just understand why. Why did God do what he did? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John. You'll know it. John 3, 16. Maybe, maybe one of the most well-known or the most well-known Bible verse in all of Scripture. John 3, 16. And we're going to be looking at the passages beyond it. But we're going to start right here. John 3, 16. If you do not have a Bible... Visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and we would love to get you hooked up. So here we go. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Who knows it? Who's seen it on football iPads? Who's seen it? You know, John 3, 16. So why is this so important? Why, why is John kind of writing this out now? Why, why after this account with Nicodemus and Jesus and talking about new birth and all of that, why, why is John talking about this? Because, because John understands that some people perceive Father God as this punitive, judgmental, wrath-filled God who's out to get you. I don't know if any of you have kind of had that kind of picture of God in your head over the years. This, this just kind of mad all the time, out to get you kind of God. Well, John wants to be very clear about this. He wants to, he wants to clear this up. And, and, and sometimes what we can do is we can see God as this kind of punitive, judgmental God. And, th and then we can kind of see Jesus as this like, really nice, loving middleman. And so he's sort of in the middle trying to appease this horrible, wrath-filled God, and he's kind of the nice guy. So good cop, bad cop. And, but that's just not the case. You know, have you ever experienced uh, this in buying a car? You, you'll see this a lot. There's, there's a social science around uh, sales. And, and one of the techniques that they use, the sales rep will tell you, you know what, let me go talk to my sales manager. And so they'll leave and they'll talk to the sales and then they'll come back with a counter offer and like, here's what we can do for you. And then you'll fight back and you'll like kind of try wheel and deal with this, the sales rep and, and he'll go, you know, I'm going to take that back to my sales manager. And what he does is he, he creates or she creates this false sense of advocacy. So all of a sudden, you psychologically and emotionally start feeling like this sales rep is representing you to this big bad sales manager in the corner office. And really, it's just a sales technique. They, they get you invested relationally. They get you feeling like this person is putting their life on the line with this evil sales manager. And so then you're more likely to feel obligated to take the offer once you kind of settle on a price. Sometimes there are those who see a dichotomy between God the Father and Jesus. God being the angry, 
uh, punitive, judgmental, wrath-filled God, and then Jesus being kind of the middleman, the advocate, the, the one that's standing in the gap, and just, you know, being kind and loving. And, but that's, that is not the case. And John, he, he just can't be vague here. He's very specific in the language he uses because he knows that the motivation behind the act defines it. Now, when we look literally at this moment, it, it's, it's really a response to what had just preceded it. So we do have to go backwards before we can go forward. So let's jump back to verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now that was the how. And, and now we are introduced to the why, through the lens of God the Father. The motive, the motive for this moment, the motive for Jesus being sent into this world. The Father sent his one and only Son, because of his, what? Because of his love for humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For some of you, you need to hear this truth today. But like most things in life, it gets a little more complicated because there are some other things that come and, and John isn't trying to just sugarcoat this moment. He speaks to the motives of God's heart, but then he speaks to the reality of our condition. And so we continue on into verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now we just came out of the Easter weekend, a time set aside to reflect on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the son of God, Jesus. And John wants to make it very simple. What you do with Jesus, the son of God, will determine your standing. I'm going to say that again. What you do with Jesus, what you do with Jesus, the Son of God will determine your standing. Because condemnation is not an active expression of God towards humanity. It's rather a passive consequence of rejecting His Son. Did you hear the difference there? God is not actively pursuing condemnation on humanity. Rather, he sees that we are already condemned. And so he sends his son motivated by love that we no longer have to passively sit in that condemnation as a result of our sin and our brokenness. And he gives us a way to walk out of condemnation through the work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. We all stand condemned. That, that has been the reality since the beginning of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. We all stand condemned. It is just simply our reality. Because 
When, when I say condemned, it's more than just we were sinful and we're broken because, because that has to be compared to something. Because there has to be a standard that we look to to comparatively look at our lives and that standard and then understand that we are sinful and we fall short of that standard. And so we stand condemned because of the reality of, of our condition and who we are in contrast to a holy and righteous and perfect God who cannot have sin in his presence. And so our reality is we stand condemned. I, I found no better illustration for this than the words of William Barclay. So I'm going to put them up on the screen here and, and you can read it along with me. But he writes this. A visitor was being shown round an art gallery by one of the attendants. In that gallery, there were certain masterpieces beyond all price, possessions of eternal beauty and unquestioned genius. At the end of the tour, the visitor said, well, I don't think much of your old pictures. The attendant answered quietly, sir, I would remind you that these pictures are no longer on trial, but those who look at them are. All that the man's reaction had done was to show his own pitiable blindness. This is so with regard to Jesus. If when people are confronted with Jesus, their souls respond to that wonder and beauty, they are on the way to salvation. But if when they are confronted with Jesus, they see nothing lovely, they stand condemned. Their reaction has condemned them. God sent Jesus in love. He sent him for the salvation of those people. But that which was sent in love has become a condemnation. It's, it is not God who has condemned them. God only loved them. The people have condemned themselves. And this so often can be a misnomer. When people think about God as this like judgmental man in the sky with lightning bolts. So we have to, we have to ask the question, um, why would you be tempted to reject this gift of salvation through Jesus? And John, he continues, John chapter 3, 19 to 21, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does, not, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God now John seems to love this metaphor of dark and light and and before we kind of get too deep down the rabbit hole on his metaphor we need to make something clear you know too often we see the conversation of light versus dark in a, in a kind of very dualistic kind of way. This, this idea of, of equally powered forces at odds with one another. Like yin and yang. Like, like, you know, think Star Wars, for instance. You know, when you watch Star Wars, the force. And then there's the dark side of the force. And they always kind of seem to be these equally powerful kind of uh, presence in, in that movie and in that series. But but that's not the metaphor John is using. He's not talking about a, like a dualistic idea of light and dark. John is actually taking it much more literal. Remember back in, in chapter 1 verse 5? 
He, he writes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So, so there's already a picture of light being more powerful than dark. And, and darkness by definition really is the absence of light. Light simply by its nature dispels the darkness. And, and here's the problem. Light exposes what the darkness hides. I'm going to say that again. Light, it exposes what the darkness hides. For, for so many, this becomes such a stumbling block when it comes to thinking about the Christian faith or thinking about a creator God who sent his son because of our sin and our brokenness. Because all of a sudden, we have to contend with this idea that there's darkness in our soul that is going to be revealed when the light comes. For so many, this becomes a stumbling block, a hurdle that, that they just can't overcome. It's, it, it's this exposure. The motives for, for keeping the light away are, are many. You know, for some, the idea of not being master of their own lives is, is untenable. They, they love themselves too much. For others, the pleasures of what are done in the darkness are just too alluring. So they love this world. But, but I would venture to say that for many, when it comes to this idea of light coming and entering through Jesus into your life, the barrier maybe isn't always just those things and as black and white as those. Sometimes the barrier is just simply the shame and the guilt associated with those dark places of our soul. This feeling of unworthiness that stands as a barrier between us saying yes to this work of Jesus in our lives. You know, this is the very definition of feeling condemned. This, this becomes a hard place to live in, especially if you believe that God is that judgmental, angry, uh, eager to smite you kind of God. And this is why John, he leads this conversation with the motivation of God's act of sending Jesus. And that motivation is love. That motivation is he loves you. Because the motive behind the act, not just the act itself, defines it. God is not punitive. He does not actively condemn you. Instead, he saw you already condemned in your sin and your brokenness. And he sent his son, motivated by love, to save you and to make a way for you. So you no longer had to sit in that reality of condemnation. For you to walk into the light without that shame, without that feeling of guilt, because that is really the work of the cross, is he, he causes you to become righteous as he is righteous because of the work of Jesus. You know, if you haven't listened the last two weeks, go back, last two videos, go back to Easter, go, go back to Good Friday, go back to just, if you're exploring faith, begin to explore there, start there. And then come back to us in this moment because I think it's so important that you understand what he did, but more important, why he did it, because he loves you so much. Two weeks ago, we, we spoke of the mystery of salvation. You know, the mystery of the Spirit doing the work in our hearts of introducing us 
to our brokenness and, and to our sin, but also introducing us to this Jesus, this Savior, the Son of God, who makes a way for us. And, and it's the Spirit that reveals Jesus to us in, in, in beautifully personal and individual ways. But even after all of that, for some of us, there's barriers that remain. The fear of exposure, that, that fear of light revealing what makes us ashamed or feel guilty, that sin that, that seems so insurmountable that we feel like we just could never overcome. Yet, this, this is just another opportunity for faith. Because you, you have to believe, if, if, if this is said here, you, you have to kind of take that chance. You got to take that, that faith step to believe not only did he die for you and he rose again and, and there's a way for you, but you have to believe when it says that your condemnation will be removed because of his work. It, it, it's, it's one of those things that you can't intellectually uh, pull apart and, and look at the mechanics of it. You have to walk in it and experience it for yourself. And finding that freedom and that lightness of having Jesus take your burdens and your sin and your brokenness upon himself, which he's done on the cross. And he's already overcome. And then giving you new life, a new life that removes your standing in contrast to a righteous God, in your sin. He removes that condemnation and that reality and puts you into a new seat, a new place of being loved by the Father and seen through the work of the cross, righteous and holy, set apart for his purposes in this life and the next. There's something that you have to step into to experience it and to know it. But this then leads you into a future like John kind of describes in verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. For God, motivated by love, so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Friend, just say yes to Jesus today. Say yes to his work. Take that plunge of faith, because for some of you, the Spirit is already giving you that gift of faith to take that next step and to see that on the other side, there is a freedom you've never experienced before. Lord, I thank you so much for your work on the cross. I thank you so much for your spirit that leads us and guides us, that pursues us with love. But Lord, I thank you so much for the motivation behind the cross, the motivation behind your death, your burial, your resurrection, this mission that you set yourself on in this world. That Lord, through your life, Jesus, you said that you reveal the Father. You reveal the Father. And Lord, we thank you that you reveal a Father that is full of love and empathy and compassion for humanity. And so Lord, I pray for everyone listening at the sound of my voice, by your spirit, would you reach them, reach Lord God, even into their intellect and into their hearts to begin to pursue and explore and take steps of faith to say yes to Jesus. And I pray Lord that in those moments, Lord, there'd just be something that comes alive. 
And Lord, I do. I pray for those that already know Jesus. Lord, so many of us have been serving you for, for so long. Yet, Lord, we need these moments of reminder. We need these moments when we allow things to creep back into our lives. We allow brokenness to kind of rear its head again. Especially in seasons like this when, when we have no control and so sometimes we will self-medicate with some things of this world to try to feel like we have some kind of control. God, would you forgive us? And Lord, would you just remind us afresh and anew that we don't stand condemned, that there is forgiveness for us. But more than that, there is a light that exposes the dark places, motivated by love that allows us to begin to change as we, as we just receive a grace and a strength to begin to look different and to look more and more like your son each day. Would you take us each on that journey? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, today was a little bit short. I, I wanted to make sure that we just kept to the point on this today because we're gonna go on and the series is gonna go on, but we really felt that this was something we needed to kind of really nail down in a way that hopefully is understandable. Hopefully there's a freedom in knowing that God is such a God of love and he has love for you. And uh, I hope that as you're exploring faith, exploring Jesus, that you would take those next steps. So I'm gonna throw it back to Pastor Marcus and thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, everyone. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lucas, for your heart of teaching that you have for us and how you unpack the idea of why Jesus came to earth and why God sent his son and also what it means to stand condemned. It can be one of those things that we wrestle through and yet maybe kind of shy away from because it's hard to unravel and unpack what that is. So thank you for teaching us in that this morning. Well, as we close, we just have a couple announcements for you. The first one is that our AGM is actually coming up next Sunday. It's going to be online. And so if you haven't yet received an email and you're a member of Evangel, you should have received an email in your inbox last week. So if you've checked your junk folder and it's still not there, please uh, get in contact with us ASAP uh, because we'd be happy to send you that link to our website that gives you all the information that you need to know, both of what the AGM will look like and then also um, some of the other details about getting onto the online stream for that. And then also, just so you guys know, please keep uh, checking that website a little bit more often because we will be releasing some of the documents that you typically would find in your package that you would get in person, but that you'll be receiving online as well. And so make sure you check that, especially before Sunday, so you have a chance to read over and digest some of the information that we're gonna be passing on to you with the AGM. And then the second one is giving. And I wanted to share a quick story with you guys. I, um, to be honest, was really late uh, in my like tithing journey where my parents had already always modeled and, and instilled that value in us but I wasn't somebody who like picked that up for myself um, until really later in my life and I was somebody who always had a job and I always had an income in some way and yet I really didn't have much to show for it because as much as I was good at uh, working and getting income I was also really good at spending it and it was getting to the point where I was in college and that income was very much restricted and my cost of living in, in university was, was high. And, and so there was finding this like gap. And so I was struggling to kind of make ends meet monthly. And it wasn't until I did an internship where I really just felt like I needed to start walking in that obedience and that faithfulness and giving of my ties back to the Lord because all of it is his anyways. And you know what happened when I did that? 
When I started giving, in a time where my money was really restricted, I actually found that uh, I was more self-controlled with my money. And so as much as we talk about the faithfulness of giving and the importance of tithing and all those things, I think it's also sometimes an important thing to realize that giving or tithing or, or whatever you wanna call it, actually changes not just our relationship with God, but it also changes our relationship with money. And so for me, that was a moment that really was a turning point for my self-control and how I spent my money because I was giving my first to God and that kind of shifted my perspective of how I gave the rest of that amount as well and what I did with the rest of that amount that was entrusted to me by God. And so if you wanna give uh, with us or if you want to donate to what we do here at Evangel, there are a lot of ways to do that. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash give, that will give you all of the ways that you can give, whether that's drive through here um, or some other ways as well. Well, you didn't think I was gonna forget, did you? I didn't. So here is your challenge. Thank you so much for staying with us this whole time. This is the giveaway. So at the beginning of the stream, you saw my face. Uh, give just a couple of uh, brief welcome and all that stuff that we typically do at the beginning of our stream. Well, if you have a keen eye, you will notice that there are three different things about me now that we find ourselves at the end of our stream. And so what I need you to do is identify those three things. And the first person that emails my email, it's marcus at evangelpc.com. Marcus, M-A-R-K-U-S at evangelpc.com. If you email me, those three things that are different about me, and you're correct and the first one to do so, you will win a $10 gift card to anywhere in Powell River that you would like, and we'd be happy to just give that to you. And so make sure that you're figuring out what those differences are, getting on your computer quick, and making sure you email me, because if you're the first, you are the winner. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. I hope that you scroll back now to see what those differences are. Uh, and if not, we will see you again next week.